And that's why I'm happy as Catholics that we have a crucifix, because you can gaze at the suffering Christ and say, hey, yeah, there is there is something to identify here. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by Dave, well-prepared Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> uh, it's like the Boy Scouts, right? Be prepared or something <laughs> always like Always be prepared. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Actually, well, life is just... It, this is the craziest my life has ever been, and people always yeah. make fun of me because when they ask me how I'm doing, I always <laughs> say it's so crazy. This is the craziest... My life has ever been because I'm so I'm going back and forth from Dallas to Pittsburgh um, to take care of Amber in Dallas while she gets her treatment. And then and then just so that the kids aren't, you know, away from us both for two months, you know, I'm coming back as much as I can as well. So, right. right. It's just like I have no idea where I am or anything like that. And it's and this is just the beginning. So this I'm hoping that I kind of settle into it, but we'll see. Now, are you surviving off of like what income are you doing right now? Because you're no longer at a parish, right? Well, so for another couple of weeks, I have a severance still. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm okay. And then I, you know, I have my Patreon account, and and obviously, thankfully, uh, if, if we don't get let go from Ascension Press, then. <laughs> you know, well, sometimes that. we have to get together and record a show yeah, right i yeah. slept through it this morning yeah, yeah do, do you know what's funny is that strangely with covid i would have never noticed these little checks coming in but i did a lot of like recording work and a lot of like consulting work where they the checks have just kind of trickled in over the last three months <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> nice you know like how that, that is nice yeah how that happened so but yeah so i mean I have. I mean, I do need to take a job. I keep waking up every morning saying, "Dave, you have to make a decision on a job right now," and I just don't know what to, you know. I don't know what to do. So, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I'm. Uh, I I keep looking at the uh, the the gaping hole that was March to August, oh. and all the fear that I had um, going into it, and just watching every week an event, another event, another event. Right. And, you know, for those of you listening, like my Lent could more or less make up the income of my wife not being an employee, right? Like the the Lent alone with the parish missions and I schedule them. Sometimes I schedule two a week, which is a bit of a stretch for my brain, but also for my full time jobs tolerance (laughs) of me. But uh, I would do. Yeah, it, it was just nuts. It was nuts. It was do the I would do them so much that I would have to schedule. People would have to give me office time. So that I could right. do my office work remotely and not be like, hey, I'm just going to ignore you for 40 days of Lent. Um, but feeling that and now realizing, like, yeah, it is cool to be able to do live stream stuff. It's a, uh, it's just such a different feel. It's such it a different feel. You're muting everyone on Zoom. Right. You know, you're so you can give your talk and you're like, I'm making jokes and, and I'm looking no at faces. Idea. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, so for me, so your Lent, that for me, that's October. So I'm just like dreading the feelings of terror I'm going to have with October because I, I usually book every single night except for two of October. You know, I, I, I have I do have some outdoor events books. So people are actually starting to call now, which makes me happy. 
And you, you guys are crazy down in Texas. This is, it's hysterical. What? Like what? <laughs> like the COVID numbers, you know, in Texas are so bad. Well, I, so then I go down to Dallas. It's because nobody follows any rules. There's no rules. It's like the wild west down there. It, it's not as bad as you think. It, well, like I, I, uh, Went to the supermarket, like half the people have masks on, half the people don't. You know, it's just, it's funny. That's that's the county. Like, because you yeah. have to in, in, in a lot of the places here. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, it, let me let me ask you something, okay? I, I want to get your real reaction here, okay? <laughs> Great. Uh, the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, I believe, yeah, um, is stating that next week, yeah. the obligation is back on. Yeah. Okay, what do you, what do you think of that? I, yeah, I, I think that it needs to – I think there was always a dispensation for the people who need the dispensation now, like people who have terrible immune systems, like my wife, you know? Yeah. That yeah. always existed, and I think – yeah, I think it's time to go back. Yeah, but just imagine what you're doing to those Catholics who are I know. clueless. I know. And you're saying – like, that's the, that, that is the most bizarre thing about what has happened. Right. It's because you're saying essentially – this thing that I told you your you whole life to would do, send right. you to an eternity in hell. Guess what? Lifted, right. <laughs> you know, and then and you can understand why. I mean, times of plague, things are different. But at the same time, you know, it never affected almost anyone that I knew in terms of covid, like, you know, all this stuff, even with with our county numbers getting higher. It didn't it like it didn't really hit a lot of the people that I knew. And our church was having all the masses full bore, right? You know, obviously with social distancing and masks, but we've been having it. And so for us, it's kind of like a bizarro world, right? Where you're like, if I slap on a mask, I can receive the Eucharist and at any mass time I want on Sunday. Like, great, yay! But but the crazy thing is, if you socially distance and you lift the obligation, but you still impose social distancing. I can't fit those people back in the church. Okay, okay. So I, now I get what you're saying. See, I don't. Ha I never have to think about stuff like that. But uh, but I get what you're saying. So here here's my thing, Comer. And I wait. I'm, why I'm, don't why don't you ever have to worry about things like that? Because I never. I don't. I specifically negotiate my jobs that I stay out of liturgy, because I know I wouldn't <laughs> sleep at night. I would not sleep at night. Yeah. I was I was really going for a hope that uh, I could make a comment like you must not be much of an evangelist. You don't have a lot of people coming. That's what I was. <laughs> That's what Zing. I was going for. No, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Well let, well, let me just say this, and this is and this is going to get nasty emails. I just I don't see the end game here. Like the two weeks to flatten the curve. Like, well, what are we going to do now? Even if a vaccine comes out tomorrow, you're talking about eighty percent vaccine coverage, and that means getting crazy people like me who don't trust the government or large corporations or banks. <laughs> or really just any bureaucracy at all to get that vaccine. And then you're talking about like, you know, a huge percentage of the population. Before. So I just don't see, what are we going to do? We have to, we have to do something, you know, we got to move on. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. Bishops uh, what do you United think that's going to do for people? Move on. <laughs> what do you think that's going to do for people psychologically that one week I don't it's know. not it's it's dismissed and the next week it's a mortal sin. I don't know. It's it's a mess. No, you're you're right. You're right, but I don't see I don't see any ways around it. I mean, eventually you're going to have to have that obligation back. Would you think that I mean, obviously, if you're immune compromised, you're sick, right? So yeah. you have more or less a dispensation right. from right. from the obligation. So would you think that maybe 
huh, let me f- see here, that w- would you just say, you know, you, would you just expand the people that the obligation uh, impels? Like, hey, really, if you're 50 and up, you don't, you're dispensed with the obligation. Right. If you're 20 to 30 and you don't have any kids, come here right now, cough on each other. Let's get this uh, no. healthy immune system going. <laughs> no, I, I I don't know if I'd say any of those things. I guess I guess I think that the it's kind of like the cat's out of the bag. And I think probably what should have happened was the quarantine for people who are compromised from the beginning. Mm. I think I, I I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't. I'm glad I didn't have to make those decisions. I'm so glad that yeah. I did not have to make those decisions. It's you know for me it's interesting because. Now that Amber's in Dallas, I feel com- very compelled, you know, to, I mean, we've had people, we always have priests around, so we've been able to, you know, receive communion and have mass and things like that. But now I feel compelled to go back to mass, but it's near impossible. I mean, you know my family, so we have two children with disabilities. So without Amber, it's near impossible for me to take them. I mean, it would be a feat, you know, there's no question. And, hmm. and, um, but we're going to do it, you know, just because I feel like, well, it's time. It's time to time to get back. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm so glad I don't have to make the decisions. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, being on leadership team during COVID has been the craziest experience ever. And I, I think I might have shared this before, but it, I, I just think of all the decisions we made in March about the seriousness. Uh, you know, this is the Grim Reaper coming to town. This is the Black Plague. Is basically, and I remember being in a in a meeting, and people are like, "Well, we should do this, we should do that." And I was like, "Guys, if Walt Disney is going to shut down their right. billion dollar a week theme park, right. don't you think that we should take this? If a corporation whose whole existence is to make money is going to not make money because of this thing, what do you think we should do?" And so finally, you know, okay, okay, we change things up. You know, everyone's banned. I'm. I'm living my best life at home because I wasn't allowed in the office, you know. But then once April started, it was like every day we had to make different plans. Yeah, right. Every day. Right. right. I just think about all those millions of dollars. Luke said this comment, all those millions of dollars wasted with their uh, churches, with their five-year strategic plans that literally mean nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that too. I'll tell you that that was also the frustrating a big a major frustrating part for me with the church was that there was such a massive response to this and it's like man you can respond like this for for covid like what about what about all the crisis we're facing right now you know like the crisis of silence the crisis of evangelization the crisis of whatever it, you know it's like good, my gosh you guys are so organized and so strategic about this <laughs> so well i think in this case i think in this case i will say this there's the tyranny of experts right yeah because in the end you yeah. can always say well we were just following the x, x right. y or z right and uh you know and and it is funny because you're restricting what people can do you know you're not encouraging them to do right. things in terms of the church you're like no you all right. can't come to mass your right. obligations lifted you know you right. can stay home I just my heart breaks and and I've been saying this from the beginning. I really have and so that makes me a genius. But uh I've been saying from the beginning online streaming of mass is going to kill our faithful. It is, yeah. And so what if you live in the Milwaukee diocese but you really enjoy live streaming mass like and you're on the border with another diocese that doesn't lift the obligation. Yeah. Right? Like 
how do you negotiate that? Yeah, or I think, like, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how many people who used to drive like a mile away to go to mass, but yeah. now they've been watching Bishop Barron or Father Mike Schmitz or you know Franciscan's mass, and they're going to say. Oh man, if I drive 15 more minutes, I can find that preacher in our diocese who's like really good or that that music group in our diocese who, you know, has such a beautiful mass or or all those kinds of things. Like I wonder I wonder if they're going to come back as the most consumerist Catholic you could ever imagine, you know. I mean, my wife didn't even my wife knew of Bishop Barron, but she'd never heard him. She never listened to his podcast, she doesn't listen to his show. She's not a member of the Word on Fire Institute. Oh wait, that's me. I do all those things. <laughs> but when this whole thing happened, we were daily mass goers with Bishop Aaron. And now she's all in. Yeah. Like she loves his Sunday homilies and yeah. she watches the YouTube videos. She doesn't speed it up. I don't know how she can listen to Bishop Aaron not sped up. But uh, it, it is. It's hard. And here's the deal. It really is hard when people have terrible liturgies and, or terrible homilies and you can just shift with a clickety clack of a mouse button, you know, over this thing. So I've been right. taking my family to mass pretty regularly for the last two months. Yeah, but so um, yeah, but my question is: Are they gonna when when it's just shifting with a mouse click? That's one thing. Are they gonna shift to the fifteen minutes away, twenty minutes away church that's known for that kind of liturgy? And I think that is gonna happen. I think. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. if you're coming back, you're gonna come back choosy. I do. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. people gonna be get so demandy. <laughs> Father, I want more Led Zeppelin in my liturgy. Hey, hey, guess what? You're gonna be proud of me. I did yep. it. I did. So I went on somebody else's podcast. <gasps> Why a, am I a, gonna be proud of you listener, going because out? Because you know I don't like to do. I don't like to meet new people and stuff like that. That's you know? true. That's true. Um, you are branching out. I am proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you make eye contact? Did oh, you yeah, say yeah. sir? No, listen, did you say so thank these you? Are great guys. So they have a <laughs> podcast called Pushups and Prayer. <laughs> that's what it's called <laughs> and they're like both like super into like lifting and stuff like that and so we went on are they talked. with word on fire no <laughs> that's so funny no no but that's exactly what i thought about when i saw him i was like oh you guys should be with all the word on fire guys <laughs> um but it was cool. except for brandon vaden florida <laughs> <laughs> the um so this is what i i don't know if you have i'm sure you've had this experience but i love this like when you meet another group of people both of them work for the church okay and they also do this podcast um and when you meet a group of people who are just like doing good work for the lord and you never knew who they were and you never knew about their influence or their circle like isn't that so fulfilling for you do you have that experience like when you're out speaking and you're like gosh i never knew this community was here and they're doing such great work and it's oh yes yes don't you love that gosh i do a thousandfold because it's funny because so many, like the Franny crowd, the Life Teen crowd, like you kind of, there's so much overlap in certain areas yeah, right. that you miss what the church is doing. And it gives you such hope. It does. There it absolutely so, does. Yeah, there's so much good that is happening. That uh, A word to the weary, right? Like there's so much good that is happening that we're not, we're not lost because... Right you know, X, Y, or Z organization isn't doing well because there are so many. And this is the thing that I constantly come back to. Uh, An entire generation can lose its sense of God, right? And I think we witnessed that in the 70s and 80s. Um, You know, this whole generation of just 
God is just this add-on. Church is just this add-on. It's a cultural decayed thing. Right. But every new generation has an opportunity to encounter God. Right. And when we realize that, like, there's no reason. What, what, G.K. Chesson has a great line about the five deaths of the church, and the church always buries her undertaker. Like, oh, the church can't survive this. Church can't survive this. And yet the church almost always emerges better than it was before. Right. Um, other than COVID. COVID's going to ruin the church. But <laughs> just kidding. But that that whole notion, right, that we belong to something that is a kingdom, we don't belong to an organization that is dependent on this or that social form. And so, you know, you had a, uh, a Europe that was antagonistic to Christianity for the first, oh, I don't know, thousand years of its reign, whether you're talking the Roman Empire, the Germanic peoples, right, the Irish, you know, what, whatever stage we entered. It, what, what is the phrase from Revelation 12, right? The woman who labored to give birth right. cried out in her right. birth pangs. Right. Like every time the church breaks ground on a new country, a new people group, it's always through pain. Right. But even the Roman Empire fell and the church remains, right? Those Germanic tribes are are gone, right? Like all of this stuff, secularism in certain areas is dwindling. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The, you know, the, you have all these things. You, you have the mass conversion of Muslims that is happening. Like it's fascinating what is happening in the world when, here's the caveat though, when Christians radically live their faith. Yeah, right. When right. Christians radically live their faith. Yeah. It, the I think that for like an evangelist, I, I don't know if you you feel this way, but I it, and it's probably this is probably a prideful and certainly yeah, certainly this speaks to the pride in my heart, but you think about the kingdom of heaven expanding around you, right? Like that yeah. you're advancing the circle around you, right? Yeah. And so when you meet other people who are also doing that same thing, you're like, Yeah, we're gonna meet one day. You know what I mean? Like our circles <laughs> will meet one day. Like yeah, the edges this. will overlap. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna win this. You know, we're getting the band back together. <laughs> love it. I love. Yeah, it. and and that's great for us in this show. Like that's great for what we're trying to do. There's a couple of people that um, have reached out to us and organizations that have reached out to us that are doing great work and they're trying to like amplify their platform and their mission. And to be honest, like I don't know if this is the show where. We just interview the founders of this or that apostolate and we talk about it. But it could be, right? Like right. having a feature and right. getting people out there. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you're like this, but every time you talk, Dave, I steal everything that comes oh, out yeah, of I your steal mouth. All your stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I do that all the time because I'm like, I'll I'll be listening to someone and, and they'll be talking about something. And I'll just think, that is so obvious. Why did I not see that? Oh, it happens to me all that the time. That is right. And so to have a venue where people can come on. Maybe maybe we do like a five-minute thing or we do a, a full show, but we have people sharing, you know, their their little circles, right? Right. Well, so I, so I was thinking about this in the middle of the night last night, and it is super weird that you and I have a podcast about evangelization, and we haven't had on anyone from Focus. We haven't had anyone from Net Ministries. We haven't had – we have, still haven't had Sherry Rodell on, and – I'm like a super nerd fan of hers, you know? It's like, yeah, we both are. We both are. Well, I think in one way we can say like focus and net, they don't really need help, right? Like they don't need. I see what you're they saying. Don't, you yeah. know, they are out there. And I think the big, the big advantage for us is I don't want, I don't want necessarily Curtis Mitch from focus. I want Curtis Mitch's focus person who's responsible for, you know, 
training the the students or you know someone who's been yeah. a missionary for 20 years or yeah. 10 years yeah because i want to hear those war stories i want to hear those yeah. training methods you know and see i like um for me for me people like sherry people like marcella jean who are out there they are they're disruptors in my life and I yeah. need that, right? I'm an in-the-box thinker. I am. I, and I admit that. In fact, I was at an interview yesterday for a job, and I literally said, well, I'm an in-the-box thinker. So I try to <laughs> so I try to associate myself with out-of-the-box thinkers. And every time I talk to Sherry Waddell, I, she, she changes my mind on something. Every single time I have like correspondence with her because she thinks totally differently than I do and, and in a very good and refreshing way. So I like to have more people on like that. You know? mm. what, what was something that you learned from her recently? Oh, darn it. Gomer, you're putting me on I the know. spot here. Yeah. I mean, so for one thing, I work totally, completely within the framework I see, right? Mm-hmm. So I go into a parish and I'm like, here's the parish. How can I make this better? She yeah. doesn't, she, that, that is not even an occurrence to her, it seems, right? Like <laughs> she, she works within almost an early church framework. That's the way I would describe her mind mm-hmm. is like an early church framework. What is possible within the, the realm of theology, right? What is possible? And so, like they they have more free discussions of things than I, I would have been able to have. You know, hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I, I wish I had that's a, really a better example. Yeah, you know, that's really interesting because you know she's not a part of a parish in terms of right. her apostolate. Her right. apostolate has always been, you know, the Catherine of Siena Institute right. with um, Father Michael. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, but they have this. You know, they're Dominicans, right? right. And they have this beautiful um element of freedom you know it 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 can allow one to not be more down by the dre model the youth group model and when you don't have institutions that you are confined by you are free within the tradition to think outside those those boxes right right and that is that is really powerful right parishes I don't want to oversell consultants and stuff like that because I think consultants can get into the same boxes that everyone else does. Right. But there has to be this place where we're listening to movements. Yeah. And I know that's a big thing with Bishop Barron. I mean, like you think of like uh, uh, Ascension Press, right? So they are not beholden to a parish in terms of its model of how it does adult faith formation, right? And so having something like a podcast where all we do is talk about evangelization is probably not going to be something that will work at a parish level because you're ministering to your parish. Right. Right. And so my my podcast of Beyond the Bulletin that I do for my parish is going to be totally different than something like Every Niche About. But think of the fruit that Every Niche About has caused in parishes. Right. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. And I I will say that they it's like kind of, it must be a culture of that specific organization the Catherine of Siena Institute because Catherine Cool Catherine is like that as well her, her co, you know oh yeah her, her cohort and uh and Bobby Vidal right i mean he yeah. even though it's clear that he is a master of parish evangelization he clearly thinks so i i, I wish i had that kind of mind i really do mm. wish that i could think outside the box um and i and i realized the other day and you'll understand this, okay? What, a lot of where this comes from. <laughs> this is so terrible. Um, I feel I I'm too polemical a lot of times to hear people, mm. and I think that comes from the the fact that I was raised in the in the '90s, right, with yeah. oh, the yeah. apologetics culture, 
Mm. Right? Like good Catholics were apologists. That's the way, you know, like they argued. Right? And I, re- I, I remember like all the people I read, they were all apologists and they all argued. And so now I, I kind of like always am like looking for signs of orthodoxy or signs, uh, you know, of lack of orthodoxy or that kind of thing. So, so anyways, my point is to talk to some of these people can be, it can, it really has helped me to grow. My relationship with Sherry has helped me to grow as an evangelist because I, I'm starting to be able to think a little bit outside the box, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. And there, there are stories like, uh, St. Paul's Street Evangelization. Yeah. Um, I know Ignatius Press published um, uh, a book of j- collections of stories. Uh, JP2 and the New Evangelization is uh, is similar to Sherry Waddell's, um, oh, what was her book? B- uh, Becoming a Parish of Intentional Disciples, where it's just a col- every chapter oh, is yeah, an yeah, essay right. on a different aspect of Christian life. And, you know, one time I heard someone say this, and it really struck me to my core. The Christian, living the Christian life is not complicated. Good. The, it, you know, it clusters around, this is a very Eastern Catholic or Eastern you know, Christian way of thinking. Like, it clusters around a series of disciplines yeah. that you can you can master, you can get your hand on in a month. You can master in a year, meaning it becomes a part of your life in a year. But it gives you a literal a lifetime, lifetime right. of effort and and realization, all this stuff. You know, getting in the habits of of actually doing real fasting and not the fake fasting that <laughs> lowest common denominator fasting and stuff like that. When you begin to stack these things on top of each other, the ritual of a daily prayer life, liturgical prayer, um, you know, the you know, evening prayer on a Saturday night before you do go to Sunday liturgy or whatever it might be, the building of community, the worship of Christ in union with other people, you start to develop these patterns and habits of behavior. And what ends up happening is uh you 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 literally are incarnating the kingdom of God both within your calendar but also within your community. And I find that so often in parish life, we create um for all good intentions. We create conveyor belts that kind of break those yeah. faith formation conveyor belts, especially for children, right? Like, right, right. oh, you want to do this thing? Get on this belt. So I'm right. trying my best to think outside the box with RCIA. Yeah. I was talking with this one guy, uh, you know, uh, a wonderful dude, Kurt Clement. And he was like, yeah, we're blowing Kurt. up the RCIA model. That guy, he's an innovator within. Oh, yeah. Setting, oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And and I was like, oh, what does that mean? Because I'm just ready to steal from every word that comes out of his mouth when he makes a statement like that. And he's like, we're just getting away from like, oh, it's just a bunch of classes to an experience of Christ in the living community. And I was like, okay, but how do you know if they know what the Trinity yeah, right. is? Like, I, I, I can't right. do it. Right. My brain just stabs yeah. back. Right. To me, making an amazing RCI program is me giving good talks. That story <laughs> literally made me uncomfortable. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I get it. I get it. And he's another one of those guys, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The, the um, you know, w- one of the guys that I, I asked like a lot of times about business advice, he's known for going into a, a business and like that's disorganized and he's known for going in and fixing those things. Like he, that he knows exactly what to do, how to come in to fix programs and processes so that the business runs efficiently. Okay. And, and that's what he's done in several parts of his life, you know, and now he works for the church. Um, but I ask him a lot of times with business advice and I realize after a while, that's kind of what I do for parishes is like, Mm -hmm. I come in and fix what's already there. 
And mm. sometimes, and right now in this, in the church's history, like we need people to come in and blow it up, you know, to rethink things. All right. Yeah. Uh, that is terrifying. Everything <laughs> you're saying is terrifying. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, it is, but, uh, you know, anyways, we, 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 we should have more discussions with, with some innovators out there. Yeah, and I think it would make our life a lot easier to actually get topics narrowed down so we're not scrambling every five seconds. Hey, in a week, we're going to interview Sherry Waddell, so wear your tie when you hop on Skype. No, pe- people are definitely going to say next week, why Why I thought you were interviewing Sherry Waddell. Oh, gosh. No, people, come on. I, I just make up words. That's all I do. That's all I do. Yeah. What do you think right now is the biggest, is the biggest struggle with... Um, for an average non-parish employee, non-diocesan employee, an average lay evangelist in this world right now? Well, they're not seeing people. I mean, I don't think they see that as a struggle. We are in Texas. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a struggle, but um, I'm trying to think what the post was, but recently on the Forming Intentional Disciples Forum, oh, that's what it was. Catherine posted a story about a a neighborhood where that has basically been taken over by a particular church. And when you move into the neighborhood, they are so they're aggressively community focused, but not aggressively evan- evangelistic focused. Right. So they, mm. they're really great about like introducing themselves and coming over with like gift baskets and, you know, welcoming people in the neighborhood, but they don't like really right away jump into evangelization. And I think, yeah, I was I was thinking more about it and I was just thinking about how, you know, it's just it's it's most commonly the place where fruitful evangelization takes place is person to person community, you know, and it's not my strength, you know, so I really I've been thinking about it a lot trying to trying to figure out how can I how can I be better at that, you know. Yeah, and it's funny how you said that. And this is this goes right to me and you and, and the the attitude of a lot of church employees when we talk about evangelization is you said it's community centered not evangelization centered and i would say it's still 100 uh, percent evangelization exactly. centered right. yeah right but we can tend to reduce evangelization to the words i say out loud yeah but wasn't it saint francis of assisi who said don't you dare preach the gospel at all times you're the worst when necessary use words he did not but say to, that he didn't I know, say I, that i no. was setting you up but that's what they're living out right they're like Listen, I got to earn a place to be heard, so I'm going to bring him a, a gift basket yeah. with soaps, with right. various soaps. Right, right. The, why do women? Why do women like soaps as gifts? I don't get that. I don't know. I would. They not. already I mean, smell great. Why don't people give me soap? I have a musk. <laughs> I need to get rid of. I got to get rid of it, man. No one's giving me soap though. <laughs> I'm going to send you a soap basket. You'll be so disappointed <laughs> if I sent that to you. Um, <laughs> It's literally just bars of Irish Spring. What would you? What would you say? What would you say the biggest challenge is? Right, this is the worst episode we've ever had. What, what no, no, say? this is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is me and you talking about our feelings, getting back to ground zero. No, trust me, no one wants to hear that. I know. No, I would say the the. So you said the difficulty. I, I would say it's like mental health issues around the isolation. Sure, and that a lot of people are in a. Um, in a very dismissive attitude right now because there's a lot of despair, a lot yeah. of bitterness yeah. and walking up to people and saying, you know, the, the trite, like Jesus loves you, you know, in the middle of that, when someone is, is in the middle of despair saying Jesus loves you could is like sandpaper to an open wound, it is. right? Like it is. 
it just really grinds in all that stuff of of the of the wretchedness of life. And that's why I'm happy as Catholics that we have a crucifix because you can gaze at the suffering Christ and say, "Hey, like, yeah, there is there is something to identify here." But I, I really do. Um, you know, we're seeing a massive spike in suicides. In, I know, I know, throughout the country, but especially in my county. And I had a police officer who said, um, "You know, the media isn't reporting this." Yeah. And he's like, "And it's it's he's like it is terrifying that we are losing two people a day in our county." Right. Yeah. It's and scary. so yeah, that's the that's the attitude that I'm um I'm I'm super super scared of. Yeah. And I don't know how to approach it with individuals on the ground, especially when uh, I mean other than proximity, right? Cuz yeah. that's the cure in so many ways is proximity. Right. And when you can't be close unless you're in the state of Texas, and you can't be close to people, you got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And those were beautiful words why why you, that you were happy about, you know, that we have a crucifix that we can gaze on. All right. Well, when we come back from this uh, brief commercial break, we're going to have three practical takeaways for you to uh, figure out what this episode was about. Uh, good friends at Ascension Press are going to tell you something awesome, but we want you to email us, eksb at ascensionpress.com. Uh, shoot us an email. We have about maybe 10 more emails to work our way through. And whenever me and Dave can align our schedules with the angels, we'll start working through them. So we want to talk. Uh, and address your concerns, your issues, and things that you're dealing with. So, again, EKSB at AscensionPress.com. We'll be right back. Did you know that every single item in a Catholic church points us towards heaven? Make every visit to a Catholic church a powerful reminder of God's presence with a new book from Ascension, The Sacred That Surrounds Us by Andrea Zachman. The Sacred That Surrounds Us awakens Catholics to the mystery of the seemingly ordinary items we see every week at Mass. It explains with clarity the symbolic realities and historical facts of each one. To order The Sacred That Surrounds Us, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Knees Shall Bow. Me and Dave had a panicked conversation trying to figure out what our three practical takeaways are. Yeah, we're skimming them down from five to three because we had zero opportunity to really plan this show out, as you may or may not tell. Um, I hope so you can't the, tell that. You know, I hope it, you it's it, this has been like a perfect storm with my family issues and your work issues. Oh, it really has been hard oh, for us gosh. to connect it's so awful it yeah. is so like i don't have a problem with luke because me and luke can record catching foxes at like midnight like he'll be like right. yeah whatever yeah, i'm never ever gonna do that right and you're never gonna do that right. so um <laughs> yeah so practical takeaway number one find some way to break through isolation for someone right so we mean this in in in, in just the idea of human community and interaction if you feel like someone in your life is isolated uh, or you personally have been isolated, find some way to break that isolation. Amen. Uh, number two is we talked about thinking outside the box. I, I want you to like just do an exercise, right, of trying to think outside the box with regards to evangelization, outside the parish model, outside what you see is being done. Don't don't try to do something that's already been done better. Come up with a new idea and, and email it to us. I want to hear. I want to hear your ideas. 
All right. And number three is do what that church does in the neighborhood, which is figure out a non-wordy word way to evangelize through community, right? Hospitality, right? Some exercising hospitality of entertained angels unawares, right? So find a way in your life, in your area where you can just go and be a neighbor to someone who's in need. Yeah. All right, that has been Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am so happy to be staring at Dave's handsome, handsome face <laughs> that we could actually get together and record a show. Yeah. Uh, so God bless you all, and I know it's hard, but please, please, if you find yourself getting low, re-listen to Dave's episode about, uh, what was it, Hope for the Weary Worker? A what word, was it? A word to the weary evangelist. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. 